morning. Good to see all of you today. We're glad you're here this morning. Is my mic on? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right. Well, we're glad you're here today. We're excited for just what God's doing today and what a powerful name it is. Amen? The name of Jesus. We can speak the name of Jesus and the demons flee. And what just, man, we just worship this morning. It was exciting last week for those of you who were able to gather together last Sunday night and just come together and worship. What a powerful time that was of gathering with our Hispanic family and our Connecting Point campus in Columbus as well as all of us here and just worshiping the Lord. That's why we're here is to connect um, with the Lord. We're in a series called Vision and Mission. If you're new or haven't been here for a while, we're in a series called Vision and Mission and The vision and mission really of any church should not be their own. It should come straight from Scripture. And really the focus uh, of God's vision and mission is for us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourself. That's the great commandments. And along with that, he gives us a mission, which is uh, the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And surely... I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So when we said that the vision is what we're doing and the mission is how we're doing it, we know uh, that that, uh, that has to do with the great commandment and the great commission. And so that's where our vision came from, connecting ordinary people with an extraordinary God. You see it on our walls. In fact, say it with me if you know it. Connecting ordinary people with an extraordinary God. So that's our vision, and we've, we've been talking about our mission. It's threefold. Today we're in the second one, um, but here's all three. Gather to worship God and fellowship with other believers. If you missed that, um, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that as we unpack the, what it, the power of just gathering together and God's thoughts on that. Today we're going to be talking about growing Christ's likeness through discipleship. And then next week we'll talk about go share the gospel through our words and our actions. And as I mentioned, we're talking about grow today. God wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. And the dictionary says that uh, grow means to spring up and develop to maturity. Makes me think of my wife. She has a green thumb. She's always growing things. And I always say, babe, don't you think we have enough plants? And she's like, we can never have enough plants. I'm like, okay, well, Luke and I'd like to play catch somewhere. Okay, <laughs> so anyway, she has these these plants, and she's got this fern that she that's been outside, and she brought it inside. And I don't probably pay as much attention to all of her plants as obviously she does, or just in general. But she brought this beautiful fern in and put it by our. We have a window in our kitchen, a big bay window in our kitchen, and so when we eat in there, um, it's just sitting there in the window. And it's my wife will just make comments on it all the time. She's like, "Isn't that prin- that fern pretty?" I'm like, yeah, babe, you did a really good job watering that. And uh, she's like, no, no, not that. It's just pretty. Look how pretty it is. It's just grown and it's, you know, exposed to sunlight. And, you know, I got to thinking about that whole deal because the fern didn't start like that. It was nurtured like that. It was grown to this place where it provi- it, it's, it's beautiful and it's healthy. And, you know, that's really what God desires for us as believers, um, in fact, that's what we're going to talk today. We're going to talk about spiritual growth and a couple things. We're going to talk about two things um, that we need to know about spiritual growth and something that we need to remember. But here's, here's just our first thing today. We come to Christ as we are. Aren't you glad? I mean, he, we come to Christ as we are, but we're called, let's finish it, to continually grow 
Yeah, we're called to continually grow in spiritual maturity. Now, the good news is for those that you go to school with, kids, teenagers, and those you work with, parents, or those in your family, family, that don't know Christ, we come to Christ as we are. In fact, I want to read you this scripture. It's not on the screen, but I want to read it to you. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you glad? Christ died for us while we were still sinners, which means we can come to Christ as we are. We don't have to come to Jesus with everything put together. We come to him as we are. But while Jesus died for us as we are, he wants us to grow and to mature into who he's calling us to be. So we're called to grow in spiritual maturity. So this morning, if you've been a Christian a long time, then God wants you to continue to grow. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, we're all called to continue to grow. The book of Hebrews has quite a bit to say about spiritual growth. In fact, if you have your Bibles or if you've got the Church Center app, we have our scriptures on there. But in in Hebrews, we're going to be looking at the last half of chapter 5, the last few verses of chapter 5, and then the beginning verses of chapter 6. But let me just tell you, um, Hebrews kind of talks about this. Now, the author of Hebrews is kind of unknown. I remember it is unknown. I remember in theology class, I had a professor named Dr. Larry Fine. Um, Some of you may know him, some of you don't. He's since retired, but he would always say, some think Paul wrote Hebrews, others think Barnabas wrote Hebrews. And Dr. Fine said, I tend to think Apollos wrote Hebrews, but the truth is no one knows who wrote Hebrews. So we don't know who wrote it, but we do know the intent of what Hebrews is talking about. And here's, here's the intent. Apparently, after pressure and persecution, some believers were having second thoughts, let's read it, about their decision to leave Judaism to become Christians. Now, have you ever met somebody who's, and don't point to anybody, but do you know somebody in your life that's indecisive? You know, like sometimes I will try to let my wife decide where we're going to eat, you know? And I'll say, babe, where do you want to eat? I don't care, wherever you want to eat. Where do you want to eat? I don't care, wherever you want to eat. Okay, fine, we'll go here. So then I'll pull in there. Well, why are we eating there? <laughs> well, you said you didn't care. Well, I don't care, but just not here. I'm like, well, then you do care. Sorry, that was a personal thing. Okay? You guys are uptight this morning. Come on. Are we good? So here's, here's what happened. Okay? They couldn't make up their mind. Like, first we believe this. Now we believe that. Do we really believe that? And the writer of Hebrews is like, come on. So here's what he writes. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again. Let's read it. The basic things about God's word. He goes on to say, so can we stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again? You know, sometimes... Um, it baffles my mind when somebody does somebody wrong and we hold on to that grudge for like 50 years. Because the basic teachings of Christ is forgiveness. Amen? You don't get to stay carnal and full of sin and follow Christ. It doesn't work like that. For real. I'm serious. We don't get to do that. 
That's just one example. Let's stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let's read this. Let us go on instead and become mature. Amen? Let's go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Has any of you seen the movie Groundhog Day from years ago? Like you wake up every day and it's the same thing over and over. Sometimes I wonder if God feels like that with us sometimes. Like this is Groundhog Day again. We're just going to get back up and commit the same sins and ask God to forgive us for the same sins and just sure hope that, you know, da-da-da-da. And God's like, can we please stop this? Listen to what he says. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, let's read it, we will move forward to... We come to Christ. This is what we said a minute ago. We come to Christ as we are, and we're glad and grateful for that. But there's more. There's more there. We are called to continually grow in spiritual maturity. Here's another thing that, that we we learn as we look at this idea that God's calling us to grow. Spiritual growth without obedience doesn't exist. We don't grow if we're not going to be obedient to Christ. In fact, Jesus laid it out um, in John chapter 14, verse 15. Let's read it together. If you love me, let's read that first word again. You ready? If. If you love me, you obey my commands. Oswald Chambers said it this way. Spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of the years. Let's read it. But by obedience to the will of God. See, there's things that God has for us. Like, for example, I mentioned the whole forgiveness thing. That's just an example. We're called to forgive. And if we love God, we're going to submit ourselves to that. So if we hold a grudge in our heart, or we do something that God's telling us not to do, and we continue to do that, do we really love God? Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Another thing I was thinking as we're thinking about this today and talking about this whole idea of growth, you know, some growth happens in a way that we don't necessarily want to happen. You know, <laughs> can I get an amen? You ready? Amen. amen. Now, boy, that, that hit home. Right? You're like, oh, tell me about it. Let me tell you. Okay? Sometimes growth happens. We have to learn the hard way or we have to learn through pain. And, and here's what I know to be true. God doesn't cause pain and suffering. He doesn't create troubles and trials. But he does use them. You know, God doesn't cause trials and troubles. But he can use them to produce what? Spiritual maturity. And sometimes we're so focused on what we're going through, we're so focused on the pain that, that's in front of us that we don't necessarily stop during our prayer time, our devotion time, or whatever it might be, um, to just simply realize that maybe God is using this to produce something in me. Um, I remember watching a video years ago of this, it was a spiritual point this pastor was making, but 
this guy is taking his son, and they're on a backpacking trip, and it starts pouring down rain. And um, long story short, it takes him a really long time to get to this cabin where it's dry. And, you know, the, the child is trusting the dad to come up with, you know, where to go. And, and, and there's an intimacy and a closeness that, that comes through this storm. And he said, now imagine years later if the child's in therapy saying, why did, God, why did my dad allow me to go through the rain? And the dad's thinking, what are you talking about? It was during the rain that I felt close to you. And sometimes we reject trials and, and troubles thinking that there's no plan or purpose in them. But God doesn't waste anything, amen? God doesn't waste pain. Listen to what James says. Family of God, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Now, now, how many of you recognize the scripture? Okay, a few of us do, right? And every time we read it, we read it that same way. I knew when we read it, we were going to read it like that. Considered an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> I've heard this before, yada, yada, yada. Okay? It's an opportunity for great joy. No, but really, James says, Consider, I mean, we think about it for just a minute. Consider it an opportunity for great joy for, when, for you know that when, it doesn't say if, right? That when your faith is tested, let's read this part, ready? Your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. Oh, why am I going through this? For when your endurance is fully developed, it says, let's read it, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, right? We never are perfect. We never arrive. But he's painting a picture here. Now, sometimes we go through things that are painful because we caused them, right? We caused it. Everyone in here, whether you want to admit it or not, we don't like to think of this. We've caused someone in this life pain. We have. We've hurt them in some way. We've done something that we either did on purpose or we did on accident. But either way, we've caused them pain. And the truth is, is that some people have caused us pain. And there's times where we cause it and we created it. There's other times where it just happens, right? But in any of those, case, any of those cases or scenarios... God can use it to develop perseverance and endurance in us. So I got to thinking about that today. Really, what this is talking about is a big word called sanctification. God wants to produce in us a sanctified life. So here's our, here's our thought. Let's read it. We're called to live a sanctified life set apart for God. So for those of you who are like, what in the world are you talking about? Um, this is a term that I tell students and, and kids, and I think it works for adults too, but like salvation, you know, we ask Jesus into our life. We're walking alone, right? And we invite Jesus to walk with us. And in fact, in, in terms of a vehicle ride, we invite Jesus into the car of our life. We invite him into our space, and he brings about salvation in our lives, and he renews our minds, and he fills us with the fruits of the Spirit. But there's this second work of grace that can happen in our lives. Scripture talks about it. 
where we don't just want God in our car. We want him to drive. Amen? We want him to, to have control. Now, do you have any backseat drivers in your family at all? Anybody? Okay. I won't tell you the one in mine, but I'll, we got, I've got a couple. And honestly, I say that, but if I'm in the car with you, I tend to backseat drive too, right? We don't like not being in control. That's the thing, right? We want to be in control. But it's not just letting God into our car, and it's not letting him drive. It's just falling asleep in the back and trusting him. Amen? So God calls us to this life where we're not in control. We call it sanctified. We call it being filled with the Spirit. We call it just simply being surrendered over to God. It can happen instantaneously in our life as we give our lives to Christ, but it also creates processes in our lives. Listen to this. Paul's letter in his first letter to Thessalonica, he says, Now may the God of peace himself, let's read it, sanctify you. And you know, when you've, listen to this, I'm going to just paint this picture for us today. This isn't my opinion. This is what Scripture tells us. When we've given, when we have fully surrendered our life to Christ, and someone does us wrong, the middle finger isn't the first thing we want to put in the air. Right? When we, when, when, when we've given Christ our full self, and, 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 and none of us are perfect, I realize that, but I'm painting this picture of what the Holy Spirit's capable of in our life if we let him. When we're filled with his spirit and someone gets at us, our first thought is not just to yell back at him, scream at him. But here's another thing that, that the Holy Spirit can do. When someone says something to us and there's a part of us that maybe wants to, the Holy Spirit inside of us is like, yeah, don't do that. And you know, we talked about obedience earlier. When he whispers that in our ear, we listen. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit, in fact, it's the last fruit listed. You know what it's called? Self-control. I don't know who said that. Good job. You already know that. We all, most of us know that. Some of us may not. Self-control. It is possible through the Holy Spirit. It is not consistently possible in our own strength. Amen? And you know how it's not? It's when, well, I just had to say it. Well, that's your strength, right? That's not the Holy Spirit's strength. I just, it was coming on and I just thought they really need a zinger right now. They deserve one. And I gave it to them. Now I'm going to have to go back and apologize to them later because I kept going. But you know, now the Holy Spirit puts a bridle on our tongue. So I was looking up the word sanctify, what it means. And the Greek translation says, to make holy, to purify, or consecrate. Consecrate. Um, Pastor Garrett uh, shared with our teens about having a sanctified tongue Wednesday night. That's a good message to take, ask your teenagers to go to church over. Amen? To having a, a set-apart tongue, a sanctified heart. Listen to this. He wants to make us holy, to purify us. Not because we're worthy, right? But because He is to consecrate, to be holy, to sanctify. 
I love this. This is kind of a this is kind of the attitude or the culture or the posture of our heart when we've given Jesus everything. This is this is really a scripture. Honestly, this would be a great scripture for us to read every morning before we leave the house. You ready? Let's try it together. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. The more of you and the more of me that's filling us up, the more capable we are of doing stupid things. That's a Twitter quote right there. (laughs) He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So question as the band comes up today, short and sweet today, but, but good stuff. Are you growing in your walk with God? If not, what is preventing spiritual growth in your life? Now, for some of you, I couldn't even get that read, and you already know what it is. You already know. It's pornography. It's your tongue. It's your anger. It's that addiction. It's your depression. It's your anxiety. It's these things. And it's not so much that you have those things, because... The truth is we all have those things, not those things necessarily, maybe those things, but something, right? It's not that those things come across our path. It's just what are we doing with them? And man, it's so easy to try to handle those things all by ourselves. Are you like me at times where you try to fix things on your own? You try to handle it by yourself? I don't watch Dr. Phil very often, but I do steal one of his lines where he says, how's that working for you? Trying to handle it by yourself. So simple question to think about as we get ready to sing today. What would happen if you gave it to God? What would happen if you gave it all to God today? You gave it all to God, gave it all over to him. And then what would happen if we started practicing that discipline every day of saying, God, you have it all today. When I was a kid, I don't, it, it, I'm not blaming anybody. I think it was my own theology as a child. I used to think, well, if you give it all to God, then that's it. You just move forward. But the reality is there's the next day, right? To pick it back up, right? I mean, every day is a new opportunity to forgive, and it's also a new opportunity to hold a grudge again. Every day is a new day to surrender it all or to take it back. But what would happen if every day we had this pattern of just saying, God, you've got it. You have it. In order to do that, we have to let God's spirit come in and lower our pride and allow him to do the work. So we're going we're gonna to open up our altars this morning. Are we doing the Sanctify Me song? I love this song. Lex sang this on Wednesday night, and I'm like, oh, my word. But it's just simply saying, God, sanctify me. Clean out my closet. See if there's anything in me that needs to be dealt with. So we're going to open up the altars today. And I think in our culture today, we're, like, afraid the altars are going to bite us or something, you know. But it's obviously not the only place that we can kneel and pray. You can pray right where you're at. Today, God, you're not less spiritual if you pray where you're at than if you come up here. But there is something about coming and just saying, God. Others of you might want to come today and pray for someone you know that's hurting today, going through some stuff. Let me just tell you, in our church, 
alone. We have people that are hurting and dealing with pain that it's difficult. Maybe you'd like to come and pray for them. Or maybe today you'd like to get out of your chair and come forward today and just give God praise because he's been faithful to you today. But let's just stand today and, and, and be obedient to the Lord. Um, old time pastors would say, mind the Lord. And, th- and that's kind of good. What if we would just mind the Lord today? Amen? Amen. Let's worship.